Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, automotive world? This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host today. Today on the show, I've got a special guest joining me, Garrett Jacobson. Garrett is a automotive instructor for community college, but he also teaches for the tuning school. And what they do is teach people how to use HP tuners software in order to increase the performance of your vehicle, to change what's going on inside of an engine controller uh, to increase the performance of a vehicle. And this is tuning, of course, uh, you know, pretty broad term put under one category, but there's a lot to it. And I've never done any of this stuff myself. I've never tuned a vehicle. I've never got into that, uh, you know, aftermarket performance side of things. Just hasn't really been my interest in my career, but I get a lot of questions about it from my students and even on the podcast. So there's probably no better person to talk to than Garrett. He is extremely intelligent. He knows a lot about this stuff. I learned a ton just talking to him and I even picked up more stuff when I went through and edited the interview and listened to it again. Um, there's just, there's a ton of information here and really it built a lot of questions for me in the future. So I'll probably have them on again at some point or another, but I'm excited to, to get into this interview. I really enjoyed it. So let's jump in. Well, uh, how's it going, Garrett? How's life? Another day, man. Another good, beautiful, cold day in Iowa. <laughs> Uh, do they have you guys locked down in Iowa uh, like we got in Minnesota? No bars, no restaurants, no hockey, no nothing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm very fortunate where I am, to be honest, because you look at I'm 30 minutes from the Minnesota border right oh, now. Okay. And as of right now, I mean, I can go out to eat. I can drink a beer. Uh, I could go watch a movie if I wanted to. Uh, I can go to a hockey game. <laughs> I can do it. I, I, Damn it. I can legitimately do those things. So I hate to say uh, I'm going to rub that in, but uh, <laughs> no, fortunately, uh, you know, the, every state's politics are running directions. It's so weird because you're so close, but it's so different. It is really strange because we're right next to the Wisconsin border and it's yep. like no rules over there. So yep. my my wife's sister lives just across the border and she said after they locked down or they shut down all the Minnesota bars and restaurants, well, what's everybody in Minnesota going to do? They're going to go over there. And so it, they're jam packed. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I drive by past the restaurants and it's all Minnesota license plates. So yep. but, see, I'm, I, I'm a pretty boring person out. I mean, outside of work, you know, I, I love my work and everything, but the only things I really do to have fun is maybe go out to eat, maybe have a drink. Uh, I like to play hockey in a rec league or, or I go to the gym. That That's all I do. All that stuff shut down. So I guess the only thing I have left is work at the moment or, or maybe podcasting, but. <laughs> no, that's, dude, we're, we're pretty much free roll. It's kind of, you know, obviously there's the mask stuff here and there yeah, at sure. local businesses, but you know, if, if that's what it takes for me to enjoy life, hey, it is what it is at the end of the day. So my wife and I, for this is going to sound stupid, for like the last 12 years, we go to Buffalo Wild Wings on, on Thursday nights. Okay. So we can we can still go out to eat, drink beer, have a good time, leave a uh, baby boy of ours with grandma and grandpa and enjoy ourselves. We've never had to stop doing that pretty much. So Fort- nice. very fortunate to say that compared to a lot of the rest of America. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're on the other side of it at some point or another. <laughs> um, well, Hey, uh, why don't we start out with, uh, just telling me and the listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. And obviously I wanted to have you on here for talk about HP tuners, but we'll, we'll get into that. It's, I'm just a, a random dude in, in little town, Iowa is what it comes down to. Uh, I, I, I teach at the local community college here, Hawkeye Community College. Um, that's my full-time thing. That's what I've done now. Um, I've been teaching for nine years now. This is my ninth year teaching. So been able to do it for quite a bit, uh, which is very fortunate to be able to work my way into the, you know, as far into the field as I was, and then actually transition at a fairly early age 
in doing the, the instructing role um, with the fortunate of another coworker kind of helping me to, to get back in, a mentor trying to help me get back into the classroom essentially um, was kind of unbeknownst to me that I was ready to go teach. I don't think anyone's really ready to go teach, quite honestly. No. Um, but I, I loved it and it was, it was a passion and, and it worked out. And, and now, like I said, I've been doing it for a while. So that's my, that's my full-time thing. And then on the side, I've always done this tuning related stuff. Um, and it's, it's kind of led into some research and development, some contractual re- research and development for a couple other companies on that side of it. And then uh, I do a lot like yourself, do some mobile diagnostics, which is where this kind of goes hand in hand with it also. I own my own business called TBG Tuning, um, where we do uh, the tuning of off-road use only race cars is what it comes down to. Basically, um, it's going to sound a little kind of silly, but uh, old track cars, asphalt, dirt track, anything that's electronic fuel injection in that world, which it keeps growing more and more, which is good. Um, that's where I, I'm running a little late tonight because I was on the dyno with a car that, uh, you know, I'm here in Iowa and I had a guy from Illinois. Uh, come over to get his stuff tuned and that's a that's 16 hour round trip for him that's kind of like the normal for our customers is to do stuff like that so it's kind of neat you see some different things but uh yeah i teach engine performance and then it bled into this and then i kept going and now i just kind of do a handful of different things yeah very very similar you know i i got into teaching a little younger than i thought i would it just sort of you know the planets aligned and i was at the right place the right time and uh it, it, I, I definitely did not feel ready. Uh, when I walked in there first day, I'm like, holy cow, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm still just a technician, but I don't know. It, like you said, nobody, nobody is ready until you actually do it. And uh, yeah. I don't know. You, you find out if you love it or not. And I, I know I definitely did. And I'm like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is what I should be doing. I love working with the students um, and just sort of, I guess, figure it out as I go. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's a passion for me. I, I genuinely love, you know, some people dread, dread going to work. I you know, like Sunday night comes around. They're like, man, I got to go back to work on Monday. And I'm over here like on a Sunday night. And I'm like, what's my lecture look like this week? And I'm going through it. I'm like, I'm just pumped about what's next. And, you know, then we go through summer break and stuff like that. And then, you know, my wife kind of, you know, she kind of pokes at me around. Well. She's like, well, Mr. Eager wants to go back to work. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you miss the students. You, it's kind of weird saying that I spend as much time with those students during the week as I do my family, but that's the truth. You know, you really kind of get attached to them and I'm a sophomore instructor. So I've seen these guys uh, go through the first year with my coworker, Brian, and then they come into my classes across the entire second year. And you really grow an attachment to some of the guys and and get to watch them grow. And it's, it's pretty neat. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And, but yeah, at the end of the year, uh, I, I spend two semesters with the students and it, yeah, you really do get to know them, you know, six hours a day for yep. four, four or five days a week. And uh, it, yeah, it's, it's really cool to, to see where, where they start from and everybody connect. It's, it's, it's something special. Yeah. And you don't get that from every job. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I was very fortunate at a young age to be able to fall into this is the best way to say it. Very yeah. exciting stuff. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I feel very, very lucky uh, that I ended up doing it, but uh, it's the right place to be for sure. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about HP tuners. Cause I know I got all kinds of questions. Um, I don't know if anybody listening is not familiar. I, I know very little about the tuning side of automotive. And I, I know yeah. that my students are going to love this because I get four or five every single year. That's all they want to talk about. How do I tune this? What do I do? What do I do here? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not really, I've never gotten into that side of it. I've always been, let's fix the car. Here's the factory service information. Uh, this is it. So it's so yeah. all kinds of questions, but um, you teach or instruct on you know, how to use HP tuners. So I think maybe first we should just start off by explaining, you know, basically what, what HP tuners is for anybody who's not familiar. Well, HP tuners is one of a lot of different programs out there. I'll just kind of answer that with that first. So HP tuners is a software hardware device that gives me the option to hook up to a wide range of OBD2 vehicles and per se, sniff the data 
in all of the information that's inside the power control module, I get to sniff all of that out. And I put it on my laptop and it, it gathers it and groups all of these tables and multipliers and all of this stuff in, into areas for me that gives me the ability uh, to adjust that or re-manipulate what the control module is doing. Um, so for just like an easy thing to say it like this, I can hook up to a computer uh, in your car. I can go with my, my flash tool. I can, I can sniff what's in there. I can go into the theft and I can disable theft in your car and flash it back in within two minutes. And now no longer do you have a General Motors car that has a theft issue. So, you know, it's just to throw it out there like that. But, you know, HP tuners, you can use this to manipulate the fueling tables, the spark tables, multiplying tables, uh, codes, uh, transmission-related stuff, shipping, all kinds of, of different things. Basically, anything that the powertrain control module or the transmission control module, or in some cases, the fuel control module does, we can re-manipulate to do certain things, obviously, within a boundary. There's obviously... There's, there's boundaries for things, um, and one that just pops out for me because I deal with it all the time is like injector boundaries. When somebody switches in the tuning world, when we switch and we're doing high-performance stuff, we get bigger injectors. There's still only a category or X amount of, uh, per se, flow rate that an injector, that, that, that computer can accept. Um, so for you know, some cars, uh, E37, E67 computers from Corvettes, you know, 60-ish pound injector is the biggest you can put in it. Unless you really figure out how to re-manipulate that table plus other tables to make it work out. So there's a lot of uh, just messing around to kind of figure it out. So it's a scary device when you, when you really kind of start to have fun with it. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what it seems like. It, it's, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, what does it take to use this? Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to actually purchase this and actually get into it, what do you need? Well, I mean, anyone, literally anyone can go online and purchase the software hardware for this. You can matter of fact, download the software for free. You can go to HP Tuner's website. You can go to their download section. You can download the software free. As a matter of fact, you can actually get files. If you just go to their forum, you can download tune files and look at them and play around. And a matter of fact, I, I think everyone, if they're interested in this, should start there because that's enough to be like it's always you know it's too overwhelming for some people and it's just because it is or they're like oh i'm eager to learn more and that's that's kind of how i landed on it um and that's where you know me as a, as a younger younger individual when i was 15 16 years old i was just like okay i'm too cheap to pay somebody else to do it i gotta drive to the twin cities and pay somebody to do this or i can figure it out on my own and you, you it was overwhelming at that point, but I, you can still stumble through it and, and try to figure that out. Sure. But I have a feeling that's what, that's what a lot of it is, is yeah, the trial and error. Um, so you, so you can, you can download a file that somebody's already made and you can go in and change some, change some values and mess around with it. Kind of like, yeah. uh, like we do the, um, the Pico software you can download for free. Yep. And I, I have all my students do that on their computers and I have them run the demo software. And I tell them, I was like, you can't break anything. It's not actually hooked up to a car. Yep. Just do whatever you want till you figure this out. So similar, similar aspect is that. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and I, so if you were a student of mine, I could hand you a tune file on a computer that's never seen an HP tuners cable ever before. And you could, open it up and we can look through it and work through it and do those different things. So that, that anyone can do that, you know? So that's where I say literally anyone can go out and buy this stuff. You don't have to have a license. You don't have to have information. You don't have to have certain things. What I do think that everyone needs is the knowledge as far as how computerized controls and engine performance truly work. That's the biggest thing because yeah, you can purchase the stuff, but if you don't understand why the computer is creating the same signals that it is, then you're going to be manipulating things incorrectly. Um, I truly believe that every tuner ever out there needs to go through a minimum of a computerized controls and animations class. And those two things, because realistically, the computerized controls input side of things is, uh, for us, for lack of better words, is affecting the emissions. I mean, that's, you know, obviously we're affecting spark, blah, 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 as hell, but we're affecting emissions. Um, so I think that you need to know those things and how they work hand in hand before you should ever touch a HP tuner's cable. 
Um, it's not that you can hurt the car, which you can. It's not that 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 I'm worried about. It's that people don't understand what the heck they're doing and why they're doing it. You need to understand, you know, why is this oxygen sensor stuck at 200 millivolts? Is it stuck because it's lean or is it stuck because there's an oxygen sensor problem or an exhaust leak or a, a fuel filter issue, what, whatever it is that's causing that lean condition, you need to understand those things before you ever try to tune a vehicle with any of this, in my opinion. Yeah, that's good advice. You know, obviously a lot of time and thought goes into the initial engineering, the fa- what the factory puts in. There's there's engineers who are paid a lot of money to figure that out. So it, it shouldn't be just 15-year-old kid like, here, I'm going to add more fuel, add more fuel. Yep. Let's go faster. <laughs> there's got to be more to it than that. And, that, and that's how I, I, I grew up. Uh, you know, honestly, I was 14 years old when the first time I ever attempted to do this and keep in mind, once again, a 14-year-old, I didn't have any money, so I was driving a Honda, naturally. So we were doing like chip-based tuning. So it was like really old school back then. And I always heard that lean is mean, right? So that means remove fuel. I mean, so you do. And you could just imagine what happened. It just, <laughs> and we weren't looking at data. I was like, oh, it's a naturally aspirated car. Give it some more timing. I hear from all the small block Chevy guys that 36 degrees of timing is the key. So you put 36 at it and leans means, so you, you know, lean it out some a little bit, just get rid of some, and then bad stuff happens. But I didn't know what the effects of, you know, these things were, or what the sensors were giving me. I didn't look at the narrow band oxygen sensor, even that, to decide what was going on. I was just like, hey, this has got to work. And now looking back, you know, well over 15 years ago now, and I'm just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> that was a learning curve. So thank God engines are only two. So. <laughs> yeah, well, the, those old Hondas, they, they'd live through anything. You didn't even have to change the oil. Just keep driving them. Just add a little bit every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, no, anyone can do it, though. I mean, you just, I think that everyone, and I get that from my uh, guys at the community college, you know, hey, Garrett, can we learn some of this tuning stuff? And I'm like, heck yeah, absolutely we can before you graduate at the last four weeks before you graduate. Because you need to know the car first. This isn't, you know, I don't think that, unfortunately, a lot of people that do buy an HP Tuner's cable genuinely, like I hate to say this, they genuinely have no clue about computer controls. So then they just start messing with stuff and then they don't understand why something isn't working. And, you know, I, honestly, 50% of the time that there's something wrong when, when I'm tuning a car, it isn't the tune, it's the car. So then you need to be able to work through those things. And that's what I tell my students. I'm like, hey, we need to know what's going on first. Then I'll show, I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'm fine with that. Let's share the knowledge. Let's have fun. You know, we got a chassis dyno at the school. So we'll have fun and we'll do those things. But we need to know what we're doing first. And then we go off of that foundation. And that's obviously for both you and I. You know, I don't teach, oh, look at this cam thing right here. You know, I'm looking at this. I, I scoped these two wires. Look at, we talk about what's going on with cam first. And we talk about what's going on with the network first. And then we can go to those things. You always start with the foundation. That's everyone needs that first, especially when it comes to this. Yeah. If you don't understand how it works, you got no chance of fixing it. I, I always say that. But it, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. And when it gets to, you know, the operation and how the computers are doing what they're doing with spark timing and ignition timing, I, I still feel like I'm learning all the time. I st- I'm still trying to figure it all out. Uh, and yeah, for somebody who's, never really been through it. They just, they have a Chevy truck and they, they, they got some money and, <laughs> and they just want to start punching numbers. I, I could see where it's going to end up with trouble pretty quick. I mean, how, how bad can you mess something up if you really don't know what you're doing on this? If you, the, the beauty about it is if you really don't know what you're doing, you can't mess anything up because you really don't have a clue what you're, what you're you don't know what yeah. tables to get to is the best way to, to say it. Um, because you know, to, to, just to take a run-of-the-mill Chevy truck, uh, just a, even a, let's go old school. I shouldn't say old school because it's really not, but it is uh, 2000 Chevy truck port fuel injected. Okay. There's still thousands and thousands of tables inside that control module. Where do you start? And a lot of people have no clue where to start. So then you really can't screw it up. But if you're dangerous enough to know that, hey, I'm looking for a speed density table or a VE table, or I'm looking for the mass airflow sensor table, or I see something that says spark high output or spark low output, 
then you can be dangerous because then that's where you go back to the theory once again. Grandpa says my small block square, the timing at 36 runner, and in an LS engine, even then you don't need honestly, you don't need 26 degrees of timing and something like that. So it's it's very detrimental. Then you go to the GDI world, then we get even more uh, you know, in depth with that because our volumetric efficiency went up and then naturally timing goes down and then these people add timing back up and now we got issues. So you can damage stuff. You can easily damage stuff. But so that's the big thing is watch the, you know, HP tuners is a two-part thing. We got the editor to edit stuff and we got the scanner to scan stuff. Watch the scanner and do it diligently and make sure that you are, are you know, not only watching things, but have warning signals for yourself when you're doing this. Use wideband oxygen sensors if you're really going to be beat nonstop or if it's a, you know, more than a stock vehicle, even on stock vehicle, if you're tuning it, you should be using a wideband oxygen sensor. So, yeah, you can damage stuff. Absolutely. And I've seen okay. a fair amount of people do that that have come into our shop. You know, uh, the, the the shop stuff that, I, you know, where I own and I, I work after my school hours, you know, chassis dyno and an engine dyno there. And back when we were doing on-road vehicles, I saw people that half people have their own HP tuners cable. They bought it thinking they were going to do this. And then they were like, wow, this was too much. Or it ran like crap. You know, they were having issues like that. Or they cooked stuff. You know, the turbocharged guys, they strap a turbo to it and like run it. And naturally bad stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. And now they're, now they've rebuilt their engine and they're here. So yeah, you can, you can destroy some stuff. Now. Well, even on, even if you get the right numbers, let's say you, you, maybe you know what you're doing as far as values and tables and stuff. Uh, my side of thinking is, you know, I do a lot of programming and I use a, a voltage maintainer and it costs, I think it's like $500 or so, the Schumacher one. And I do that for all my programming so that I don't brick any modules when yeah. I program. I have a feeling that a lot of people that buy an HP tuners cable don't have that set up and maybe no. they're using a battery charger or a jump pack. Maybe not. I mean, you can, you can just brick a module doing this, right? I, I would imagine. Oh, at, at no, no different than, than flashing OEM level. You know, I fly every time. So you use a different brand. I have my snap on charger is what I use. And in, I don't care what module it is. I use that now knowing this side of things, my interest has drug me to the side and I've learned what modules do per se brick easy and which ones don't. Um, I can go to like a PO1 GM module and somebody has tried to flash it and it's failed and it's bricked per se, and I can revive those. I'm not scared of those anymore. Um, but there's some that, yeah, absolutely. For me, I just hook up my Snap-on charger, go to flash mode, set it to go, easy as that. Uh, another guy to me that's local that, that really just took over all of the on-car vehicles to mine that I used to do, Mike, um, even at his, you know, that he, he maintains them. No matter what, they're always on a charger. They're a run-of-the-mill guy. They don't. Now, picture this. People that are tuning cars uh, in, in trucks, you know, we, we keep using the word GM, uh, you know, Camaro guys, 99 to 02 Camaros, right? Or better yet, the 2010 up Camaros where the batteries, are, I don't want to say, it's not hidden, but it's hidden to the people that really don't know. And, you know, or Corvette guys, even worse. And I'm not picking on Corvette guys. I own Corvettes myself, but they're driven during the summer. Then they work on them all winter long, and then they bring them out in the spring, and they never look at the battery because it's nice and clean and it's away. And then you go to flash the module, and the car battery voltage drops, and then you brick one. And I have I've done that on a, on a actually scary enough on a Grand Sport Corvette. I I did do that. <laughs> no. uh, so when a guy named Al listens to this, I apologize once again, Al. But we got it revived. It was very scary, and that was that was probably six seven years ago. And I was just, I was a little arrogant in it. I was like, man, I, I, I don't need this. I've flashed computers without this. Just run it, man. And I should have known, you know, this is a gorgeous car that was just in a shop and they just installed a camshaft and there I go. And, and better yet, the worst part about it is I remember clear as day, it was March, you know, we're in, we're, we're in cold land. I, I went outside to flash the car outside and then it's, dead outside so i gotta push the car in the shop of all things and i am just it, it was terrible so yeah absolutely that that is a that's a big one right there and I, I really see that even on the dodge side of stuff you know the what i when i teach 
the, the public or public classes or the, the group classes, it's usually Dodge side of stuff. And Dodges, I've taken some modules down in those and that, and that can be pretty scary. You know, you go flash a Hellcat and next thing you know, uh, you crash a computer. Oh, your, your gut sinks pretty fast, I'll tell you that. And it's not because you, it's not like the module is expensive. I mean, they, they are, but they're not. It's just like, you know, there's a $60,000 car sitting right here and I just crashed it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's always a bad, bad feeling. Uh, I, I do the GM SPS programming a lot and you get the b-bonk at the end I'm like, yep. Son of a. <laughs> yep. yeah well, luckily that doesn't happen very often but uh, you know sometimes it does um I've, I've learned to not be as afraid of it that's but i've also figured out what modules because i like a 99 to 07 and a half truck i can i can crash those modules and revive them i'm not scared of those anymore i'm, I'm curious what do you use to revive it once it's it returns uh, you can do it through that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Pump that battery voltage up and do a right and tire in most scenarios. There's some messery around with doing it, but yeah, I've got them to kick, you know, not doing just a normal right cal on it. So it takes a little longer. Uh, there's some different stuff with it, but you know, I, I'm not, uh, I, just, I picture myself like the Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone where he walks outside. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> I'm not scared. And it's like, that's how I feel about those. Like they just genuinely, hey, that, and they're also like a dime a dozen all over the place. So sure. I got them just laying at the shop. So I'm not afraid of those. Uh, Corvettes, I get a little scared. And it's not because they're expensive modules. It's that it's just harder to get the stuff. Corvettes traditionally hide computers inside fender wells and weird stuff like that. It just takes me time. So yeah. Uh, I, uh, I saved one the other day that it was, it was bricked when I got there because somebody else was trying to do something with it. It was a TCM and I was able to use the, uh, the IO terminal uh, that I, I had got and I cloned the old module and put it in because SPS wouldn't do it. I tried it, I don't know, three, four times and it wouldn't go through. I could communicate with it with the scan tool, but all I could get was module info and I couldn't do any codes, data stream, nothing. But I went through, I cloned it with the IO terminal. It went through, it worked. I was like, sweet. All right, we're out of here. So I, yeah, it's, you just got to be in those situations and figure out what works, what doesn't. I, I, that stuff to me is really cool. I really enjoy yep. learning that side of it. And I don't know, maybe being in just a challenging situation and, and, and when working your way through it is it's kind of fun to, yeah. to see how you can get around some problems, I guess. Yeah. It, it used to scare me a lot more and now, but I also have changed my ways. I mean, I hook cars up to my battery maintainer and I do that now. So, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of those variables away from myself in a good way. So but I kind of, and, and I also know which ones are a little more susceptible to having issues or even if it's just a general programming issue, you know, anything such as like a, a radio in a car. Sometimes I know that I got to disconnect the connector for it to flash it. You just, you, I, I when I'm flashing stuff anymore, you, you figure out which ones do what. You just got a feel for it. And you just run. So I'm not I'm not near as scared as I once was. I remember the you know some of the first ones I did, and I was like dead scared of it. I'm like, man, what happens if? What happens if? What? And yeah. I'm just like, whatever. Hit the button, go. Yeah. You know? And that, that's even with like my OEM programming. I'll walk up to especially a General Motors based vehicle, and I'll just jump online, grab what I need, go, boom, click, walk away, go work on the next car while I'm waiting. It just, it, it, it's second nature anymore. So. Yeah. The first time you do it, you're watching that bar, like, and, and GM actually shows you the bites. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're like, come on, come on. That first time you're just hoping. And yeah, after you've done it so many times, it's like, okay, I guess I'll just, uh, check yeah. my phone and uh, go talk to the techs in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like OEM program. I'm sitting there watching everything go across and, you know, I used to like, oh, don't even get on your phone and look at messages or if the laptop's sitting in my lap, don't move, don't move. <laughs> yep, and now yep. I'm all like, ah, open doors, shut doors. Now you shouldn't obviously be doing certain things, but like, I don't really, you know, Dodge vehicles I was scared of for a long time and now eh, just run with it. Yeah. Just uh, hit buttons and something will happen. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
we're, I'm going to tune an engine, whatever it is. And we were mentioning GM a lot, GM trucks. Yep. That seems to be popular, but you know, HP tuners obviously does more brands, but let's say I'm going to pick an engine and HP tuners has the capability and I want to tune it. Um, obviously if I don't know anything about it, I'm not going to do it, but if, if for people who have figured this out, I mean, is it just trial and error? Do you go in with, with knowledge of the system and start changing things and see how it works? Um, how do you do it? I, cause I have no experience actually changing anything like this, the fuel, the fuel delivery tables or the ignition timing or anything like that. I, I've never done this. The, I mean, yeah, to, to, I, for lack of better words to say that. Yeah. You just go change stuff and see what happens. Okay. Um, the beauty is, is there is the scanner is very, very powerful. So what I always do, so I let's I bring in a vehicle. Doesn't matter what the vehicle is. The process is always the same. I bring in a vehicle. I read the file out of it. I see what's in there, and then I immediately go to the whether it's a blended system like a General Motors where it's math and speed density, or let's say it's a Ford where it's just math based. I immediately build in my scanner a table that it looks identical, 100% identical to the airflow table that's controlling this vehicle. And then I log the long-term fuel trims over that table and, and see what happens. Just go for a drive and see what happens. And then I'll also do the same thing with my Lambda control. So I'll hook up my wideband sensor and I'll build the same tables and I'll look and see what the, they're doing. And that gives you an idea of what to do. So it's not like you just try it and see what happens. If you follow data, it will literally for percentage, it's going to tell you what to do. I mean, if your fuel trims are off 10% and then it goes to 8% and then it goes to 4% as the sliding scale goes up in your mass airflow, um, then follow that trend and do that. And you're probably not going to be wrong. Uh, and then do the same thing with, with your Lambda. You know, If I'm commanding 0.85 Lambda and it happens to be 0.87, well, there's a 2% difference. So if you follow what it does, you're going to have good results. So the answer, you, know, you don't just go play around. You follow what the scanner tells you to do. If you if you set the scan tool to do what you do correctly, and that's for me on the OEM side, I set up, I, I like to use the HP tuner scanner for OEM stuff, for drivability, because then I can use that to find, you know, like a fuel filter. You know, uh, yeah, you can jump out immediately. Everyone, oh, let's just look at the lab scope or let's do this thing. No, and I, I breathe that to my students too, but uh, we can, I can, in our, in, I go to my Snap-on tool and it tells me what fuel term cell I'm in, but it doesn't really lay it out in like an X and Y axis to where it shows that, yeah, fuel terms are super, super off when you add some load, but at idle, eh, it's good to go. You know, you can see that, don't get me wrong, but this gives you like reds and greens and it puts the, the color effect to it. It looks really cool. So it interests students for me. So it's the cool factor. And then it does, I mean, it, it clicks, you know, it really brings the basic back to it, but tuning wise for me growing into it i did i I'd go to the fuel table and i'd adjust and i would see okay what happened i adjusted 10 percent of i added 10 percent fuel did i really get 10 percent? and what you're going to find out is if you just blanket throw 10 percent at it well i mean you're going to know what, what fuel terms are just going to recorrect that <laughs> it's still going to try to do its best to run stoic for emissions purpose so then you got to, to tailor around and do some different things and it's not about what the fuel table is, you know, set to or what the math table is set to. It's what's commanded set to do. Because if I command the vehicle to have a 1380 stoic, well, then it's going to work itself via long-term fuel terms to be a 1380 stoic um, or a 1410 stoic. And I just use those for, like, obviously ethanol blends that we see, you know, versus 147s. But it's, it's about the command more than anything. So for, for me... Yeah, when I get a new control module, so the big thing for me right now is some of the, the late model GDI stuff. I don't know what table does what. And, and there's some of it in there, like idle torque values. It's no longer like they're commanding 800 RPMs for idle anymore. That's not really what's going on. Even though me and you see maybe in our scan tool that it says commanded of 800, actual of 799. Behind the scenes in the module, it's commanding 15 foot pounds of torque well, what happens if we command you know they, they, some this customer puts a a big huge camshaft in it well what happened to the torque well at idle it probably went down actually so now i need to i need to command a different amount of torque so 
but I don't know what. So command 15 foot pounds more. Did that work? Well, no, that didn't work at all. Command 20 more. And, and then there's a process. And over a period of time, you kind of figure out what needs what and what doesn't need what. Also, you know, I've, I've commanded, especially on, on Dodge, uh, on any of the Dodge ones, it doesn't matter what control module, it's going to go with an egg control module, but any of them where I have idle torque reserve issues, you know, I find that I'm just better off just sneaking timing into stuff to control torque to go up instead of commanding torque. But that, okay. that came with a year worth of getting my butt kicked and not figuring it out. And that's huge in the Dodge world still right now. Dodge guys that go to tune these are like, oh, it runs great but it doesn't idle worth a crap. Oh, okay. So that sounds really fun. So you can't come to a stop sign, you know, it's drive by wire too. So it's not like you can kind of like feather the throttle ever so slightly. No, it just dies. It just comes to a stop sign and dies. Oh, that sounds okay. great. So it, it's trial and error. Yeah. But it, you can usually, if you kind of have an idea of what you're looking into and, and the beauty with HV tuners is all of the tables that are in there, if you hover over the table, it tells you what that table does. Okay. It doesn't tell you how to change the table because that's depending on the application. But you just hover over, for instance, an easy one, mass airflow, okay? Hover over it and it says, this is the table that's used for fueling calculations per the hertz that the mass airflow is sending me. Easy as that. So you can find stuff fairly easy. Once you've built a, you know, I know where to go with things. You know, I go to the idle tab to do this or the spark tab or the torque management tab to do this. You can find your way around fairly quick in that, you know, in that area. So if I go to a, a brand new Corvette right now, a C8 Corvette, and I sniff it out, I kind of have an idea of where to go. It's not like it's 100% fresh, but it is fresh. So it's yeah, different. Still. Yeah, that engine is going to be unique to the design and, and the little yep. details that you're going to change. But yeah, like you're saying with the new vehicles, I mean, you've got to have so many more tables because now you've got variable valve timing yep. and uh, yeah, like I said, GDI, which which changes things immensely. And I can only imagine how many different <laughs> tables and, and things yep. are, are going to affect each other too. As you change yeah. one thing, it's going to change something else. So, uh, it's, okay. It's really, you know, you mentioned the VVT thing right there and a really fun thing on that. Because I, I genuinely didn't notice this. So if me and you go work on a 2015 Charger, you know, that's not an uncommon car to see. We're like, oh, it's a speed density system, right? Because it's got a map sensor and there's no mass airflow sensor. So it's speed density. It's really not. It's really not a speed density. It's an artificial neural network. And in the computer, you can literally change it. There's a, there's a switch. There's a master switch to change it back to speed density. So there's some really cool things for the me's and use of the world to be like, oh, what is going on there? You know, this is not like an engineer is going to be like, yeah, it's it's a completely different thing. No, we're, me and you are like, yeah, it's got a map sensor. This is how it works, blah, blah, blah. You know, so in, in 2000, in the early, you know, 2010, uh, actually, when they started with BBT, up in that, just depending on his car, throughout 2010, up range for Dodge, um, you know, I snipped some out and I'm like, oh, speed density, cool. And I'm tuning the speed density table and nothing is happening. Literally nothing in the tune changing. So I blanket effect. I took the entire speed density table, dead serious. I zeroed the entire thing out. So it shouldn't be adding any fuel at all. The car started up and it ran flawless. And I'm like, you're freaking kidding me. <laughs> That's how the artificial neural network worked. And the, re the reason behind it is VBT. How much, you know, learn does it need to do to that? Because if the, the cam is one degree one direction versus one degree to the other, that could mean we end up with like a thousand fuel tables. Instead, they use the artificial neural network. So, and it still to this day blows my mind how it works, but the new C8 Corvette is said to be that way also. Okay. Uh, well, I got to back up. What do you mean like in the car neural network? What, how would you define that? Artificial intelligence is the best way to say it. Okay. okay. So if anyone has ever done, so like five years ago, I didn't like, I geeked out on this, like super hardcore because I saw this in here and I'm like, no, that car is speed density. And it, I mean, it, gen, it is, but it's not. I mean, so how we work on it, how we fix it on the, you know, how, when I walk into a shop, I treat it like it's a speed density car because it is. But me as a, as a tuner side of the things now, I have learned that it's got an artificial neural network. So it uses neurons, just like mining your brain do. You know, I know 
I'm not going to go walk out in the interstate because I'm going to get hit by a car. I've learned those things. I know I'm not going to go to the stove and turn it on and put my hand on it. We've learned those things. And that's what the car is essentially doing. Now, somebody's going to be like, well, that's what long-term fuel terms do. Totally. But this, like, this adjusts for engine wear over a long period of time. So, you know, we go to a, a, a vehicle that's brand new, fresh off the line. It's, it's got zeroed out fuel trims, realistically, no, but it should. And at 200,000 miles, that engine's wore out. It's leaving some oil film in that cylinder in a lot of cases. So stuff can, you know, trims and stuff, things can you know, go wacky. Well, the, the system was built in to adjust for engine wear. So it learns over a period of time really what's going on and essentially starts to save its own thinking, for lack of better words. It's still, you know, and don't believe anything that I just said on this. Literally go, go look up artificial neuron network training. It's machine learning training. And that's what I did. I started to read books on it. And some of the books that I was reading on it was I had to blow the dust off of them. Like they're old school. And I'm like, how is that so old school? But we're just using it now. It is a really, really neat system, uh, how it works. It's got input layers such as map sensor, RPM, intake air temp, ECT, the normal density related stuff. And then it's got all these hidden layers. So uh, for you, I, I'll send you a file later. It, it, you okay. got to see this because you, you got all of these different layers in, in Dodge world. we got an input layer. we got a secondary layer. we got an output layer. Well, input layer is like 600 cells worth of data. And then secondary layers like, layers like 1,000 cells worth of data. Then output layer is one piece. Well, the one thing is fuel. It takes all of this stuff and it just adjusts fuel then. So, you know, for, like I said, for me, I walked, if I, if I go in the shop today and I got a Dodge, just got a check engine light, I don't put the tuner hat on. I put the OEM technician hat on and I work on the car. But in the back of my head, I know darn well that it's fooling me. <laughs> so sure. it's just, but it's neat to see that yeah, on no our kidding. side of stuff. I for with so if anyone is listening to this and they go to the to the company called the tuning school, that's who I do some contract teaching for in research and development. And last year, the entire summer long, legitimately three months long, I sat on a chassis dyno adjusting the artificial neural network so we could figure out what did what. And I am genuinely still confused. <laughs> it's I, I'm serious. I got artificial neural network calculators built on Excel that have done this and do that. And it's crazy that it's, that it's so you know, complex to me, but it's all based via you know, the, a learning algorithm in VBT. Because if you go to the Ford and they've used mapped points, so they got like 50 different fuel tables as the camshaft moves. Or if you go to GM, they use virtual volumetric efficiency as the camshaft moves uh, to maintain emissions, obviously. But they, okay. Dodge has went to this neural network, and it's really cool. Now, you can disable the neural network in those cars, and then they, they run speed density if you do that, and you can tune it speed density-based. Um, so when I first sniffed one of those out and I saw that, I'm like, huh? And then it really clicked for me, and I got a good friend, Tyler, who borrowed me his 2013 Challenger, and I sat and I just did this, and I didn't tell him. And he's also a tuner, so, but I didn't tell him. Um, I was like, hey, I didn't say, hey, I just zeroed out your VE table. And, I was like, yeah. I, and there's, there's a bank one VE table and a bank two VE table. So I zeroed out both banks and it ran. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. This just sounds really dumb to do. I zeroed out one bank and I put 200 VE in the other bank. And I, <laughs> I dead serious, I didn't tell him. And a week later, like I just let it go. One of the other guys at the shop, Joe, knew. And I just let it go. And a week later, I'm like, hey, how's that car driving? Great. He's, he's like, I'm like, no, it doesn't. There's no way I can drive. No, it drove great. I went for a drive. The car drove great. And then I turned the speed density on and the car wouldn't run. It, it is what I expected. And that's what clicked me. I'm like, whoa, this system is like super powerful. It's really neat behind the scenes what you can see out of that. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. I had no idea, <laughs> honestly. So if you go into HP tuners, you could say you turn this on or off. I mean, is it... Just a just a button click on or off, or you got to change a bunch of stuff to, no. in order to get there. Literally a switch. Wow. There's a switch that says A N N, or then you can switch it and it says off. It's it's literally as easy as that. Here's the problem. Well, I'm gonna I'll, I'll send you a stock Dodge file for this. If you turn speed density on, 
the car will run, but it probably won't run as good because the speed density table that's in these things looks like they took numbers and juggled them in the air and they just threw them at random places in this table. And it looks like the Colorado Rocky Mountains. And then that's clearly not how volumetric efficiency works. Volumetric efficiency, the car should drive smooth. And, and it's, it's a 3D map of smooth. You know, more fuel as we have more load, less fuel as we have less load, more fuel as we have more torque, and then it peaks off, blah, blah, blah. That's not at all how it looks. It looks like absolute garbage. So when you just turn it on, it'll work, but you need to tune that table. You don't just turn speed density on and send it down the road. It doesn't work that way. It's not that easy. Um, a lot of the guys that have done Dodge stuff, they, you know, with forced induction, we have to go speed density on those. You, you have to. Uh, because the neural network is there to learn emission tactics. So it's going to be like, hey, I'm driving. When you go wide open throttle, you don't need uh, a 0.78 lambda or uh, for other people, uh, 11.5 air fuel ratio. You don't need that. It's like, hey, this is naturally aspirated vehicle. You need 12.5 to 13.5. It'll work. No, I just strapped a Magnuson on this bad boy. Like it's it's got to do it, man. Um, so you there's manipulation behind the scenes that we have to do to just turn the system off. Unfortunately, uh, in other areas, we've figured out how to turn on the neural network system and boost it and make power with the neural network and and it drives great um i've probably got this poor dodge charger at the tuning school i i've probably got like five thousand, and i'm not even kidding full throttle pulls at like 500 plus wheel horsepower and the engine ticks like it, it makes all kinds of noise and just still keeps moving i don't get it but it does on the neural network so it's neat to be able to do that what what motors in there i'm curious uh, it was a 5.7, and then it let go. Okay. But that was pre-ticking. Now that it's, it's forged, now it's got this awesome tick. And we were worried about it, but we had a class that we had to teach. So we were like, she goes, she goes. Like, we got another one lined up, but we're using this car one way or another. And it lasted the class. And then the, the owner of and I were like, okay, let's, we, we got some research to do. Let's just keep sending it and kept sending it. And now year later it's still like legitimately getting abused the same way and i you know we, we jokingly we, we call bob's wife toretto because she loves driving this car around like boosting around in it and she drives it man and it drives great i it blows me away this thing still runs but it does <laughs> that's awesome um so you, you were saying with the I mean, the whole goal of the strategy and the the, the neural network is to hit emissions. Uh, the, yeah. the, what's coming out of the tailpipe, and of course, it's government regulated EPA. So, if anybody's going to do this stuff, if they're going to start messing around with this, what considerations should they take? Whether it be uh, just a, your average person or maybe a professional, uh, where can you get into trouble with this stuff? Because I, I have a feeling that you can. <laughs> yeah. Um. So without getting myself in a bind here, the, you, you should never tamper with emissions. That is my politically correct answer. You should never tamper with emissions to any aspect at all. And HPTMS has given you a device that you can manipulate and change anything, but they have not done it for you. So you can go in and there is an option to select a 420 and a 430 code. I'm not saying what they are, but you understand. You can select that code and disable it for life, and it never comes on ever again. HPTMS did not do that for you. You chose to do that because you have figured out that this vehicle is an off-road use only vehicle. Wink. Um, so, you know, realistically, pe people aren't going to, in an emissions testing state, you should not be altering any of these things. Unfortunately, I live in a rural Iowa where we don't have that kind of stuff, but I also don't do this kind of stuff. I only do vehicles that don't have VINs. Um, so great times. That's what it comes down to. You can get yourself in a bind if you're trying to do diesel-related stuff, more, more so, I would say, um, versus gas. With that being said, HP Turners is not as effective with diesel stuff as other competitors to them, such as EFI Live is. The beauty behind an EFI Live is there actually a, I don't know if it's Australian or New Zealand. I don't know, it's all Australia to me. <laughs> but uh, 
there from that side of the world that doesn't have the emissions tactics that we have. Okay. So you can defeat literally any emission thing with their stuff and get away with it. I don't want to say get away with it because we still got emissions testing, but like as far as just flash it and run with it. You might not have all of those characteristics that they took But HVDernus has now allowed us to build user-defined parameters. So we can, even if the table isn't sniffed out by HVDernus, you might be able to sniff it out yourself. If you know some coding background and some different things, uh, that goes beyond this even. Um, my recommendation is to just make sure that you're doing what you need to make sure that you're regulating yourself properly. This is the best answer. Yeah, and I mean, if you're in a state that tests for emissions, I mean, you're not even going to be able to get registration if you start messing with this stuff, right? No, okay. So I got some friends in, in St. Louis and they use what is called the GVIP program, Gateway Vehicle Inspection Program. And if you have now disabled a catalyst efficiency test from being ran because you don't want the check engine light to turn on, well, if the test doesn't run, you can't pass emissions. And it's not because they're looking at tailpipe emissions, they're looking for the OD2 monitors to be passed. So if you, you know, and it, it's going to say, in some scenarios, you might be able to fool it to say not supported. But let's be honest, since 1996, what catalyst efficient, what cars came out that there's no catalyst efficiency monitor that's not supported? You might find right. a car that, uh, AC, oh, it's not supported, you know, yeah. but this or air pump, air pump, not supported, but catalyst efficiency, it's supported. So, you know, I, I don't know, in Twin Cities, I don't think you guys have anything there emissions-wise, do you? No. Yeah. And, and, and I'm also, somebody's going to hate me to say this, I'm not against emissions testing because I feel, or especially safety testing. I feel yeah, confident. no kidding. I feel very confident, especially where me and you live, where we have salted, brined, nasty, sanded out garbage vehicles on the road. I have a wife and child on the road. I don't need your junk around the road. Let me fix it, or at least get the thing to where it's like halfway safe. So I respect states that have done that. And you know, honestly, kind of some on the on the emission side of it, because I'm sure your wife's done this also. You know, me and yours are we walk out of Target and we hear this car go and like, oh, that one's got a bad coil. Uh, that one's got this, and it's like that doesn't need to be driving around either, because you know darn well it's going to be broke down on the side of the road, which is now going to be a hazard on the road. So those are I don't disagree with certain parts of it. But I also like modifying vehicles. <laughs> you want to have fun too, yeah. No, yeah. I, I completely so there's a, understand. There's a, there's, a, there's a fine line there. Yeah, for sure. So the the teaching that you do, you said it was the tuner school. Uh, if somebody wants to take part of this and they they're really interested in this, and I know some of my students listening are going to want to check yep. it out. <laughs> How would they uh, how would they go about doing this? Is this uh, in person only? Can you do it online? What's what's so the deal? There's multiple different ways to do this. So I do my own through my company TBG. I will do my own private classes. So if you call me up and you're like, "Hey, I need to do a private class with you so I can figure this out," I'm like, "Okay, here's the deal. Um, it's going to be this X amount. My wife's going to send you a bill, pay her, or she'll come punch you down." Um, and then there's the other way. You know, when we do all uh, like. Uh, Basically, I don't, they're still private classes, but group classes. You can go to thetuningschool.com, and we do private classes, so one-on-one or one to you know me and, and two people, something like that, or we do it where it's group setting class. And you'll go through the, the entire setup of tuning the vehicle right there. So what I, you can also get online there, and, and they got books that uh, I got a child walking in here that's going to <laughs> Wants to be on the podcast. Yeah, you say hi. Yeah, all right. Hi. All right. Love you. You go good night, night. All right. All right. Well, okay. Go back to car as well. All right. You got anyway. a f- future tuner right there. Uh, yeah, we were watching all kinds of uh, rally racing last night. He was glued to it. So that was fun. But uh, no, you, so you go to the website there and we, they sell books on how to tune this also, which for anyone that is a much cheaper, much more feasible option, it's a learn at home option. And there's all, there's online stuff also. So there's all of those things that you can purchase. 
Now, I'm hesitant in saying this. There are a lot of good things for free on YouTube also. Now, the reason I'm hesitant in saying that because there's also a, there for one good thing on YouTube, there's like 720 bad things. <laughs> yep. So you've got to know what you're looking for on that. Also, um, if there, if there's, there's a, a guy on there called Goat Rope Garage. Why it's okay. called that? I have no clue. I don't know anything about that. But I do know that he's got some phenomenal things in there that are free. And specifically back to this software right here, showing that, you know, uh, whether it's a General Motors or Ford Dodge, any vehicle, uh, and I don't want to say it's just those because HP Tuners supports Volkswagens and Nissans and Hyundais, and you just got to go to the HP Tuners website to find that out. But there's all kinds of great information on YouTube. Also, the biggest learning thing for free, quite honestly, is that, who doesn't like free, is go to HP Tuners website, and they have a forum. Go to the forum. I mean, that's going like old school, but it's like, it's really good. It's way better than the Facebook groups. And not because there's not good knowledge on the Facebook groups. There's just people on Facebook groups and people are negative <laughs> and they just take everything the worst possible way. Sure. So you got to stop reading the comments there kind of deal. So the, the forum that HB Tuners has, has great information um, on, and it's sectionally based so it says if you're looking for to tune a naturally aspirated Ford, here's your area. If you're looking to tune an EcoBoost Ford, here's your area. If you're looking to tune a Nissan, here's your area. Or or even other vehicles. They even have other vehicles category. Um, so there, there's a lot of great info there to to dabble in first before you're like, okay, I'm ready. You know, maybe somebody like you, where you got software, you got knowledge, and you're like, okay, I'm ready. It's time for a class. Cool. But if you're you're one of my students. I say dabble first, you know, download the software that's free. I'll give you some files that's free. Go to these YouTube things that are free. And then we'll build you a process after you've figured out that you can dabble into a vehicle. You know, I had a student last year that was like super interested in this stuff and absolutely phenomenal in this. And I'm like, all right, he go go learn some of it free. And a week later, he's like, okay, I, I went through all of this and I got all these notes. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I give him a book, you know, the books are like 500 bucks and he goes through it and he's like, okay, I just tuned my, my car last night. He had a 240 SX with a LS swap in it. I'm like, no, you didn't. And he, I looked at his files. I'm like, okay, you got some improvement. Like you did. And then it was the next thing. And then it was the next thing. And I actually led enough to where very fortunate in saying this, I was able to land him a job at the tuning school and he's one of their research and development guys. So he up from Iowa, moved to Florida, hanging out, hanging out on a dyno. So if you're really interested, you're going to start at that level and you're going to build yourself up. Um, but there's, there's different levels to take this. You know, obviously dabble first. Don't spend your money, dabble first, and then go from there. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, obviously it, it makes sense. There's a lot of young kids that they're interested in this because they want their car to go fast. But I mean, there's, there's obviously some legitimate career paths here if you – take the time and you get the knowledge and you really dial it in. I mean, you, you can make some money doing this, right? It's, it's not just a, not just a hobby. Absolutely. I, I mean, you can make very, very good money doing this right here. So it could be as simple as something like this. Atrium tuners. Um, everyone's going to be for anyone that's listening to this, that downloads Atrium tuners and grabs the GM file. You can find out that you can turn off displacement on demand, active fuel management on a car. You can literally, I think in rural Iowa, if I truly wanted to, I could make a living altering that alone with this cable. So you could start by doing that. And now I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, that's your decision. But th that's how I, but I, I'll also say that I genuinely know somebody that makes his living dealing with these things right there. Like literally for a living, uh, also in rural Iowa. It's not me, so I'm out. <laughs> but uh, you, the tuning avenue, people are, you know, especially the younger crowd, they're really interested in it. That's where mm -hmm. I came from. You know, I was young, I was interested, and I was also too cheap to go up to a shop locally near you, which I eventually ended up doing because that was the closest dyno to me that I could use. Um, and, and you can figure this out slowly. And, you know, people are, it's, it's easy to charge four to $500 for a tune. Now, let's think about this. It, it, HP tuners, you do have to credit vehicles. So you got to pay $100 to use to credit a vehicle. 
but if you charge $500 and it takes you four hours and you paid a hundred dollars in, well, that's still $400 pure profit. You still made a hundred dollars an hour. Find another place that you can make a hundred dollars an hour. I mean, with, with essentially, and, and for what I would say is a two year education, because you've now went through an automotive technology program. Um, you know, you do that two to three times a week. You just made $1,200 profit that week. That's really, really phenomenal for a lot of people. That's, that's great for tuning three cars that took you realistically 12 hours worth of work maximum. So yeah, there's, there's absolute avenues. Obviously that comes with your name and your process. No one just posts on Facebook and is like, Hey, I can tune your car. And then everyone trusts you. <laughs> no one right. just trusts you overnight. Um, I'm fortunate that I learned and I kept going. And I also had a lot of dumb friends at the age 16 that did trust me. <laughs> and they would let me just be like, Oh, let's see if we can make this faster. And, you know, they were just as, as brilliant as me that they were, we were just like, yeah, we can do this. And, and it, you know, with that came more and more and more and more to where I am now. But, uh, you know, I, I've had students that they're, they're interested in this and they do buy the cable and they are moving forward. And, and I have people that are doing this for a living. And, and that's, that's great. I love seeing that. And it's really, really rewarding to me to see somebody that I've trained to do this. Uh, matter of fact, there's a guy locally in Des Moines, so two hours south of me. He came up, he's had some training. He's got a dyno in a shop and he's tuning for a living now. And it's really, really cool to see for me, obviously, the teacher aspect, which you understand there. That's, that's a good warming one for us. But, you know, he can tune uh, a vehicle a day, you know. And realistically, even if it gives you fits, you can end up that week. I mean, you can profit $2,000 that week. Now, there is going to be dead times. Right now is a dead time. But I say that, and I'm late here to meet up with you because I was on the dyno. <laughs> so, you, you, as you build your name, People are like, oh, I'm going to put the cam in my car over the winter. And then they get eager, especially right after now, because it was Black Friday and everyone's bought all of their stuff. They're like, oh, I got it done. So if you get time, no rush. So I'm like, yeah, just drop your car off at the shop. I'll get to it when I get to it. Next thing you know, your 10 cars laying at the shop. You're like, uh-oh, what do I do? Okay, so yeah, you, you can get be as busy as you want. Honestly, anywhere. I live in my, my metropolitan here is like, 40,000 people. And that's, that's within probably 50 miles in every direction of me. I could stay as busy as I wanted to on the chassis dyno. I don't want to. My passion is to be in my classroom in front of my students. And I turned down more tuning stuff than I ever have over the last five years, because that's not my passion. Tuning and all this, the only reason I did it is because I was too cheap when I was younger. And then it caught my attraction to where now I'm like, how does the system work? You know, I used to be like, how does a mass airflow sensor work? And now I'm like, how does it think about torque when there's no such thing as a torque sensor? You know, and how do I manipulate that? So I've slid my understanding of it, but you know, for people getting into this, you can make a lot of money. And, and even if you're just on an automotive shop and you're like, hey, I'm going to dabble with this a little bit. Hey, it's, it's good extra profit that you can learn. This isn't rocket science. It's just math at the end of the day it's numbers anyone can learn this it's not magic it's not just follow trends and data just like we do when we're when we're oh yeah diagnosing things and you will be able to tune the car well that's fantastic um boy i don't know i think i think that's a that's a good way to cap this off unless you got anything else to add i'm fine with that I, if anyone <laughs> Anyone out there does, you know, decide to dabble on this and, you know, they need files that they want to see just changes because anyone can go online and find stock files. If anyone wants to see what that was, there's a little arrogant of me saying this, but see a file, you know, that has been changed correctly. I'm, I'm always glad to give somebody that, whether it be a Ford, a Dodge or a GM or even using different softwares. You know, I do a lot of standalone stuff also. So like the Holly standalones or mega squirt scan standalones. I'm glad to give anyone those files so they can at least compare them and see what was changed. And I'll tell them, hey, this was a head cams vehicle. Look at the file. And you can you can understand why it was changed. If anyone anyone wants to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. You just go to Garrett Jacobson on Facebook. That's easy the easy way to do it. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I'll go to my Facebook page, TBG tuned. 
um, and send me a message and say, you listened here and you, you're looking to just hear something about it. I'm glad to help anyone out. Like I said, I don't tune these on-road vehicles for a living. I only do circle track, asphalt and oval track stuff, uh, asphalt and uh, dirt track stuff, which is so, so small of a market. It, no one will, you'll laugh when you're like, well, where do these cars come from? And, but so it, it's a weird market, but the, you know, if somebody learns the stuff and they need, wherever they're at, I'm glad to send them in, in those directions. But reach out to me and I'm glad to assist you to get moving on those things. Okay. Well, and I'll make sure to get all that info from you and put it in the show notes. So for anybody listening, you just go to the show notes podcast, you can click on uh, the links and encourage anybody that's interested in this stuff to check it out. Uh, Logan, one of my students, he's, he's going to listen to this and I, I'm talking to you, go check this out. So <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, thanks, Garrett. This was awesome. I, I, I learned a ton, honestly. This was incredibly informative for sure. Um, really cool. So thanks for coming on with me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely not a problem, man. And for your guys and this said Logan, if there is a day that I'm ever, I know with COVID life, like people <laughs> don't invite people in, but I will gladly come to you, even though it's on a distance away, it's really not that far. It's like two hours. I'm glad to come to you and, and talk about it and show stuff and we can change stuff too. Instead of just talk about it, we can do it. I don't know if you guys have a chassis dyno at school or not. We do not, uh, unfortunately. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but we can still change stuff. I'm so if the set individual is really that interested, uh, give me an invite. Okay. I'll definitely take a Jimmy John's uh, lunch sometime for it <laughs> in trade. So sounds great. Okay, one more big thank you to Garrett for coming on the show with me today. Really enjoyed that talk. Uh, I learned a lot. Very informative. Um, we'll have to have him on again at some point and deep dive into maybe a maybe a single topic as far as tuning goes or a single engine. But uh, I encourage anybody who's listening to check out the links in the show notes to everything that we talked about today, the tuning school and HP tuners and Obviously, Garrett offered, if you have any questions, you can reach out to him as well. So thank you for everybody that's listening. I really appreciate it. We'll see you again next time. But until then, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.